0: had been eaten up after the budgets were eaten up you know they did everything else and then they were worrying about sound and music it's a fact yep and so i started pushing back and uh challenging that you know that rhetoric and basically going against the grain and competing with what those people that were hiring us to just provide music and entertainment we started actually producing those entire events top down and that's when i started really going to brands this is about 2009, and I was saying, Do you know what your brand sounds like? Have you truly thought about it? Wow. Um, you know, through the line, across the fold, yeah. not only your commercials on TV and radio and your digital content, but everything down to your hold music when someone calls you, mm. everything down to your product and app notification sounds, um, obviously your events, your activations, yes. yep. like every point of which your brand is. Speaking to consumers or prospective consumers, True. have you thought about the congruency in what you are actually saying, all of these noises you're emitting? Mm-hmm. Because you're doing it, whether you're thinking about it or not, and you have really stringent guidelines on your visual and verbal identity. Yeah. You have no guidance on your sonic identity. So that was the, the question that really sparked things for me in about 2009, 2010. Started working with different brands in that capacity. Yeah. And, uh, you know, fast forward... Thirteen years later, a lot has happened, a lot has changed, Uh, and today I am at SongTrader as a VP of growth for Music Solutions, Um, and we're doing some really interesting things within the context of brands and music. Um, And, you know, SongTrader started as a music licensing marketplace, really the founder and CEO, uh, musician himself, was frustrated by the lack of tools and infrastructure that existed for artists to easily be able to monetize and sync their music for commercial spots, right, yeah, advertising. Issue, um, yeah. And it was through that frustration that he started building SongTrader. And a lot has happened over the last 10 years with SongTrader. Um, but today, we actually have acquired 11 different companies. I believe it's 11 now. It and well. our thesis is that there's a lane that exists. Um, or sorry, rather, there's a lane that doesn't exist in the world of music and brands. And what we've been doing is building tools and infrastructure and solutions for both sides of the ecosystem. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you own a house, right, right, Mm -hmm. or an apartment, and you want to either sell it or rent it out, Mm -hmm. you're gonna wanna work with a brokerage that is gonna get you the max exposure on your listing, you know, the highest transaction price. and, and, and kind of navigate that. On our side, what we're building for the supply side of the market, yep. so these people might not own real estate, but they own IP, right? They right. are musicians, yes. they are creators, yes. they are labels, they own IP. Yep. And we are helping them with tools to monetize that IP and monetize their music rights. Uh, and you know, whether they're selling it or renting it out, that's where we come in. On the supply side of the market with the creators, the labels, okay. the content owners. Then there's the demand side. It's like who is going and renting that Airbnb? Right. Who wants to buy that house? Yeah. On that side of the equation are all the brands and agencies. right? They, they're the demand side. They're the people that want to use what these creators have to offer. Right. And we have a whole suite of solutions and technology that we're building for that side too. So we're really sitting in the middle of this very interesting marketplace yeah. of creators and content owners and musicians and rights owners and people that want to use that yeah. likeness yeah. that music yep. in commercials and advertising and various things. So, um, like so that's, that. you know, yeah. the gist of what we're doing within SongTrader. Um, and, you know, we can get granular, but high level, that's kind of what we're Yeah,
1: up to. yeah. Jeez, you left me with a lot to unpack here, man. That's uh, that's some good information and a perfect introduction. It's, you know, what it, it sounds like quite a... Amazing transition from taking your love for music, DJing, the vinyl, traveling the world, getting these experiences. And then what you started to do or what you realized, I guess, with the branding and the lack of, I guess, consistency across all pieces, how you mentioned that um, these corporations and companies were having events and thinking of the music last and then probably never considering how music ties into the other aspects of their marketing. And I'm pretty sure even now with uh, the growth and emergence of social media and that side of things, people probably understand in theory that it's good to throw some music behind your videos and all that little, you know, the stuff that people are doing sort of uh, following the trend. But for you to see that, because what year was that? You said
0: that was... This is 2009. So you were way ahead of the game is what I'm
1: sort of gathering on (laughs) that as far as what we see now I mean 13 14 years big difference a lot's changed um but what kind of what what was it that uh kind of showed you like how did you come across or come about um realizing that this was a gap that was missing and actually a need that companies needed to have sort of fulfilled to Mm -hmm.
0: put this all together yeah yeah great question so you know, I had gone through my own experiences as a DJ, right? And again, um, you know, I never expected to fall into the marketing, branding, communications, advertising realm uh, in the traditional sense. I hadn't cut sure. my teeth at agencies. I hadn't climbed the typical bureaucracy of Adland. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, my perspective was really that of an outsider, okay. and I was knocking down the door in Adland with all of these agencies, brands and holding companies saying, listen, like you all need to really think about how you sound. This mm-hmm. is very important. And it's often working at a subconscious level, meaning yeah. you're not really thinking about it and people aren't really thinking about it, but it's affecting them yeah. because hearing is our most visceral sense, right? It's the very first sense that we develop in the womb before yeah. we even see. So as humanity we have a profound, really deep relationship with with sound. True, going yeah. back to thousands of years, yeah. millions of years, even yep. with cavemen and cavewomen, you know, sitting around a fire. Um, by the time they they see danger, it's too late. There's someone's right. dinner, yeah. but they can hear danger, fight or flight. They can do something about it, right? Yep. Or um, you know, historians say that when cave people started communicating and forming languages, mm-hmm. it was done through music and melody and that's because music is emotional and emotions are where memories are encoded and formed right, yeah. and that's why we still teach our kids the ABC's not by reading them but by the singing song, them yeah. right exactly. and like yeah. Twinkle Star yeah. Baba Black Sheep and ABC's are they're the same song so yeah, yeah, yeah. the verbiage might change but like the melody is the exact notation is the same yeah. so leading into all of this I was just going to the brands and saying look like this is actually nothing new that I'm saying. It's just as an industry, for some reason, you are overlooking something that other industries like Hollywood really understand. Like, right. you know, look at Jaws or James James Bond true, yeah, or iconic. Disney films. Yep. They, they treat their audio and visual creative as 50-50 equals. That's true. Whereby yeah. advertising was treating it as like 90-10 at best. So I um, was really just saying, look, there is a really big opportunity here. And it's nothing new. This is leaning into human truths yeah, true. that are as old as time, right? right? right. Yeah, yeah. And and bringing them up to speed, and also the nature by which we consume information today is very different than when the advertising industry in the traditional sense was really founded. Talking about right. you know back in the day with David Ogilvy and and all these JWT kind of forming yeah. back then in the fifties, sixties. Think about it. People would sit. Around a television set right. as a family, yeah. and and like in a binary way consume that information, right? right. JFK would be speaking. Yes. you'd all be watching. They'd go to commercials, and then like the Wheaties jingle or the Coke right. commercial or whatever would come on. Yeah, and that's how you consume the information today. Very true. Not only are we watching TV, we're on Twitter, we're on IG. Oh, there's LinkedIn. It. There's like yeah. such a fragmented. <laughs> in you know ecosystem of how we consume information it's not binary by any means and so what used to work back then and their approach and treatment to jingles or music back then doesn't apply today and today it's like if you're going to spend millions of dollars in strategy and creative and production and a media buy to air a tv spot right But everyone's eyes are on their phone when it airs. Mm. Like, how do you peel people's eyes off their second screen and divert them to the one that you've planned for, invested in, and bought airtime for, right? So those are the questions that I started really asking Mm. these brands, their advertising agencies, their marketing communication agencies of record. Yeah. And that's really how it began. It just, it seemed so obvious to me, especially having gone through what I had gone through as a DJ. Right. Yeah. um, Because, you know, all these brands want to form emotional connections with human beings so that they're top of mind and they can cut through to their heart and mind and ideally get them to part ways with their dollars. Yes. (laughs)